Thank you for listening to the Conform to Christ podcast, where we seek to engage the mind, affect the heart, call people to follow Christ. I'm Jay Jones, and I am here, as always, with George Mays and Parker Green. Great to be here. Parker is a special guest today. Special. (laughs) (laughs) I think think we're just going to have to to tell people. Like, they don't see all the the behind-the-scenes stuff. They don't. But this is... The third try. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to yeah. start this Te- program. Technically the fifth. <laughs> if you count the wrong button. Yes. <laughs> we, uh, yeah. We, uh, we, we were like, we had to be at least six or seven minutes into oh, it. Oh, I think it was longer than that, my friend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and we discovered it wasn't recording to the video. Yeah. But we were we having are. a great time. Uh, we were time. having a great time. Yep. I even asked for money. Yeah, you yep. did. I Maybe that's a, <laughs> that's, that's a. Is that why? That's a good segue. I got, <laughs> struck it down. Maybe. So yeah, you can give to the Conform to Christ podcast. It's a ministry of our church, so the giving would is to our church, but to a fund of our church. Uh, and our, you know, our hope and our desire okay. is that the gospel would go forth through this platform and through this medium. Right now, we're uh, we've got we're set up with the. Uh, the best that we can. I think it's it's we're doing pretty good. Um, we're using uh, the equipment that we have on hand, but you know, always wanting to make things better. Yeah, um, and also to be able to get our material in front of more people. Right. So yeah, yeah. I think I think you know um, maybe some specifics. Uh, you know, you see Parker's blue headphones that ma- he can match the tie that mar- match the tie but he can only hear out of one side yes. because these are uh, from five and below yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and we have two old iphones that serve as our cameras yeah uh and the one that's on that's on us um if you don't keep it plugged in it'll die it'll die <laughs> so, <laughs> so just some specifics um we we need new headphones yeah we need so we'd like to get some some better cameras and these like these little boom arms these are like the cheapest cheapest of the cheap yeah. I'm not complaining i mean this is i mean it's good i'm glad, glad it's to good have, yeah glad we, to have what we have yeah but if you if you do feel inclined to uh to give that that would be what it would be going yeah towards yeah. it's not going towards you know anything on our no steak dinners no steak dinners no it's it would all go towards just making this a, a more um high quality yeah uh podcast so that we can get it out to more people more high quality than it already than is than it already is yep than more it efficient already is right yeah so you can give through our website Christ's fellowship church uh go to the bottom there on tithely and you just click the link it'll take you to to give and then you click the drop down tab for conform to Christ you can also do it through our facebook page same thing yeah, you showed me a picture a couple yeah. of days ago. You sent me a picture mm-hmm. of the uh, Apologia podcast team. Yeah. And there was, what, 30 That's, people? Yeah, easily. <laughs> Probably 30 people that helped produce this thing. Yeah. And it's uh, it's us, and we've got Larry back here behind the... Behind the curtain. Behind the curtain. Pay no attention <laughs> to the man behind the curtain. It, yeah. It's just us. Yep. I've been told by a, a visitor to our church that he thinks that our podcast is just as good as Apologia. That's kind of humbling. All right. Um, but yeah, would, so kudos to you and to, to Larry. I just show up and talk. You just bring the beard vibe. I, uh, <laughs> yep. 
the Calvin Beard vibe. You guys, you guys do all the technical stuff, so yeah, good job. Well, thank you, and it's fun. It's kind of fun, yeah. and I, and I like that. You know, I I know that there are people listening um, from all over the place. Right. That's what's kind of cool about it. Right. So if we're able to help them understand the Bible and the gospel better, mm-hmm. uh, then it is definitely worth it. Yeah. So, and today, special guest. Back to that. The wind farmer. Farming the wind. Parker Green. Yes. Here's what I love about uh, the other elders of our church is that they work all week long, and then we ask them, hey, would you guys uh, like to preach in December? And they don't say no. They don't. They don't even. They don't even pause to say, "Let me think about it." Yeah. They just say, "When." Yeah. And so the uh, the elders preached through December, and you preached today uh, mm-hmm. from Genesis three. Maybe tell us why did you pick this passage for Christmas time, and how do you prepare when you have a whole other job? Yeah. So, first question: Why why Genesis three for Christmas? It, it is an odd odd fit. Ultimately, uh, Philip and I had talked about it. Um, Philip taught, uh, preached last week from Galatians four, and not not a passage you normally hear at Christmas time, but he brought the gospel, and, and we had kind of spoken about how to launch into each other's sermons. The order of the sermons didn't go as initially planned, thanks to COVID. Um, you you had the COVID. I did have the COVID. I had a very mild case of it. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people are getting it and being told that, hey, you've got antibodies. You don't have to quarantine for three months. My case was so mild, I did not develop the antibodies for it. Are you serious? Really? Not. Yeah, I got tested. There, <laughs> so not to go all scientific here, but there's two types of antibodies. There's the you got it antibodies and the you had it, and you've got a little bit of protection from it. Wow. Um, <clears throat> to go back to work, I had to take that test just to see if I had the you have it antibody. They test for both. I got nothing. Wow. So you just had to be sick for no reason. You know, if it, if it, <laughs> I may jump ahead to your question about preparation. Um, there is one Saturday, you know, to prepare for this, there's a lot of thought and prayer that goes into what am I going to preach? Yeah. You know, how am I going to faithfully bring the scripture? Um, a lot of note taking, a lot of scribbling, a lot of just pouring over the scripture. Uh-huh. And then there comes a day, it's like, okay, I, I've got got a rough idea, but I need to sit down and just go through the text, and that's going to take me a Saturday. Mm-hmm. It's going to take me more than one Saturday to actually prepare the sermon, but that's like the first and most important one. Mm-hmm. That Saturday that I'd marked off for that was the day that I had the COVID exhaustion and couldn't move, couldn't do anything, just uh-huh. not functional at all. Had it not been for that one day where I was not functional, I, I would have told you up and down it was a false positive. Mm. You know, so. Um, but he got you for one day. And didn't even leave a, any antibodies behind. Yeah, I had a fever. How rude. I, I did have a fever a couple of days before that, and that's what got me to go test um, because of you know my employment um, requirements. Mm-hmm. Um, but had it not been for that day of exhaustion, I would have told you it was false positive. Mm. Wow. So, so why this passage? Um, as I said, Philip and I had talked about it. We talked about you know what what do we want to do. Um, and we really just wanted to bring the good news, the gospel. It's Christmas. Uh, we, you know, he had talked about going to Isaiah 9. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but we really just wanted to take a passage that may not immediately scream Christmas and, and show that the gift, the grace of God is, is written throughout the Scripture. And what drew me specifically to this was after uh, 
God curses the serpent, Adam, Eve, the the earth. Um, there's a couple verses where Adam names his wife the mother of the living, and then God, after having said you will surely die, says, here's some clothes, let's cover you up, mm-hmm. and provides for him. And Christmas is hectic. Our, our, we're distracted. I think, by and large, most of us, our families, we've got extracurricular activities. There's normally family traveling. There's all the gifts, all the chaos of that. Uh, for a lot of people at work, there's year-end wind-down stuff. And we tend to get lost in the fact that we take this time to celebrate what a gift really is, and that is something that we do not deserve at all and is given freely to us. Mm. Yeah. All right. Well, you're, uh, the way you broke the text down was you had four main ideas in this passage, and like you said, there's a variety of ways to preach Genesis chapter 3. You could do it in a very long method- methodological way. Um, you did a broader Look, but still the four path, the four the four main ideas that you have are there clearly in the text. So four tenets. Your outline was four tenets of the good news that are found in this cosmic calamity, right? Yes. So it's always good when people can remember what your your big proposition statement is. Four tenets of the good news that are found in this cosmic calamity that is Genesis chapter 3. Uh, the first one that you have is one that I think uh, deserves to have some application really drawn out of it, and that is, number one, there is the misery of autonomy. So maybe just say, point out, we're not going to exegete the passage, but just point out where you see that in the passage, and then let's talk about the application, modern-day application. Yeah, so, I mean, autonomy, I mean, what is that? That's individualism. That's that's almost more American than apple pie, right? I can do it on my own. Uh, I, I don't need anybody's help. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm strong enough. I, I've put in enough work that I can figure out what to do and what needs to be done. Um, and, and that describes much of America. I think I dropped it on Oklahoma in the sermon, so it's, it's very right. Oklahoman, which <laughs> right. I think is fitting. Um, and I don't mean that necessarily in a bad way. In that regard. That's um, a great compliment coming from a Texan. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, I, I won't say it's growing on me. I still consider myself a foreign missionary, um, but, <laughs> um, you know, there there is there's a flavor of Oklahoma that no one else can claim. Um, so, so where do we see it in the passage, though? You know, I, I think most people are familiar with this passage and with, with it, so, I mean, we're not reading it, but the serpent is promising them a super amount of knowledge that they don't have now, a super amount of wisdom and judgment and discernment, and even beyond that, if not full-on, promising them near deity. You will be like God. I mean, I, I think that's promising them right. a, a deity. Yeah. And they take that step. Yeah. They, they lots, grab that fruit. Lots of irony here. Um that he he says you shall be like God, and what we have already learned in chapter two, chapter one, they're made in the image of God. Yeah, they, they've already they're already there. They're already there. Yeah, they're already there. The serpent is is it's empty promises. It is. Right? But here we have. Um, I I think this gives us some insight into 
um, the the craftiness of the serpent mm-hmm. and um, kind of the nature of temptation and sin. Because I, I would argue that the that Eve was already sinning before she actually took the, the fruit and took a bite of it. That, that point could be made, yeah. Um, because she she is believing what the serpent says. She is um, the uh, the idea that when she saw that it was um, uh, desirable to make one wise, that, that word uh, desirable, it's used in Exodus chapter 20, and it's translated there as covet. Mm-hmm. So she's coveting it. So I, and and also later on we we find out as as scripture goes along that our actions are not they're not um, divorced from our heart like it, right. our actions flow out from our heart so she already has a heart that's coveting these these things and so she acts upon the the sinful desire that she already has yeah initially when I was preparing for this I I think I prefaced it. In the sermon, is saying, you know, this is going to be a high level. There's no way in the amount of time it would <laughs> normally take to hit on everything. Oh yeah. And, and I, one of the things I left out and didn't hit on that, even before that, she added to scripture. Mm. She added to what God yeah, commanded yeah, by by saying that you know we can't even touch it. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um. So she, I mean, there's adding to scripture. There's a little bit of legalism that's being slipped in there. Yeah. 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 I love. I like the the title of this point, The Misery of Autonomy, Mm. because we think autonomy equals pleasure, right? Um, That is uh, what people are buying into. So, you know, all across uh, our country today, uh, people, they might not describe it in this way, but autonomy from God's word, autonomy from God's ways, his rules, his laws. They see all of God's rules as a means of killing my joy and my pleasure. Um, but hold, really, hold you down. Yeah. Oh, I mean, that's, that's Psalm 2, right? Uh, they want to break the bonds yeah. of, of God. They, they think it's just chains. Yeah, so they, find, they, they think, the world thinks, that if I, if I throw off God's rules and I become autonomous, what I'll find is a better life. Mm-hmm. But you, the way you phrased it is perfect, I think, for the text, because you called it the misery of autonomy. And that's what we actually find in our aut- autonomy, is we don't find an increase in pleasure, we find an increase of pain. And you, your phrase that you used here is, their eyes were opened, right? Mm. They did have this enlightening happen, but you said, their eyes, the eyes were opened to their own shame. Yes. So... Talk about that spin that, I mean, it's not a spin on the text, but it's a, a detail that's not often talked about in the text. People talk about their eyes were opened. They did know good and evil. But what you said is their eyes were opened. What they didn't find is pleasure and autonomy. They actually found misery and autonomy because what did they discover? They discovered that they were setting themselves outside of the joy of the presence of God Anytime you step outside of that, you step into destruction, mm-hmm. and that became immediately clear to them. Yeah, so prior to this, you know, they're walking through the garden, God's presence is with them. Um, we may even speculate and to say that uh, Christ walked with them in some type of a, a Christophany, because uh, the terminology is used of walking. How does God walk? Well, he right. walks in a Christophany, right? And so they're enjoying this presence. If, but, if nothing else, in Trinitarian. Yeah. But immediately what they discover is uh, f- they discover fear. Mm-hmm. 
And that's the flip side of them. They, they Their eyes are open. They're open to the holiness of God. Now, pressed against their sinfulness, and it becomes terrifying. And so they are they're running. They're on the run. Uh, so their autonomy hasn't brought them pleasure. It's brought them uh, terror. And I think you pointed that out, and it was a great point. Yeah, that's uh, why I went with the uh, Proverbs 28, 1, the, the wicked flee when no one pursues, because you are now in a state of perpetual fear. Uh, and there may be a real threat, there may not be, but your shame uh, that you have, um, it it's ever-present and mm-hmm. permeating in your soul, so that anything you say, do, touch, feel is permeated by that fear because of your wickedness and shame. Yeah. And people deal with their shame in a number of ways. You know, they can <clears throat> put on a, a sense of confidence or, or almost like a, a play acting in front of other people. But, you know, when the people are alone, when no one's around, when they're honest with themselves, that's when this sense of shame comes in, you know? Right. And usually it gets, has to get to, like, the point where they can't handle it anymore, where they would actually seek out a Christian to talk to about it. When they're when they're honest with themselves, has to build up over time. But um, people are good at pretending it's not there, but it is there. That's a universal experience, you know, that people have when they when they become Christians. They're like, you know, here's the best way I know to explain it to you. It's like this big weight that I didn't even know was bearing down upon me um, was lifted off of me, and now I feel free. I'm not ashamed. And you're like, oh, you were ashamed before. Uh, well, I don't know that I would explain it to you mm-hmm. like that, but yes, you know. Yeah, that's why I tried to highlight the the, the cycle there. There's um, the disobedience, there's the sin, the rebellion against God. And then a lot of people just take that, and when they don't repent, it turns into defeat. It's just like, well, this is the way it is. Um, I, I can't do anything about it. And that defeat that they have then turns into a defiance towards God. And, and we hear that in culture. We hear that in liberal, if I can call them churches, churches. <laughs> uh, you know, so, well, God made you this way, so that's just the way it is. You yeah. know, it's, it's God's fault because you, He made you this way, and, and that couldn't be farther from the truth. Right? Yeah. There's <clears throat> there's uh, uh, several different ways that we see Adam and Eve responding to their their sin here in this passage. I mean, the first thing that they do is they uh, they make for themselves fig leaves mm. to cover themselves. Um, they're they're trying to cover up their shame. Let me and take that, control of it, yeah. Yeah, and that that's we've all experienced that, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, when we sin, what do we what do we what's our first impulse? Hide it and then try and cover it up. Yeah. Yeah, we don't we don't want to admit that we're that we've done something wrong. We always want to hide it. Um not just from each, each other, but we try to hide it from God. And so they they hide in the trees. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a humorous <laughs> I mean, it's, it's ludicrous that they, they think that they can hide from him. Yeah, and I, I think of it, and I, I didn't bring it out in the sermon because of time, but, you know, God's asking, where are you? Mm-hmm. Uh, God knows where they are. Right. I, I think of the parent walking in the house that has called the kid to go take a bath or come to dinner, and he hasn't come, and yeah. you can see the bump underneath the blanket clear as day, and you say, okay, where are you? Mm-hmm. And giving them the opportunity to to repent, to to turn. Right. Uh, and then when God confronts them, they start blaming each other. 
<laughs> that woman you gave me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Adam acts like uh, Eve has some kind of control over him mm-hmm. and blames her. And, and really, he's he's not blaming he's not blaming her. He's, he's blaming, blaming God. God. Yeah. Yeah. The the woman whom you gave me. Yeah. She did this. That's that's bucking up pretty strong there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we have uh, we have all these different ways in which we respond to this, and none of the ways that Adam and Eve respond is the correct way. Um. Uh, they don't. They don't. They hide. They don't confess. And what you brought out is that they're actually continuing in their rebellion. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that was um, that was a, a slight twist on it that I I didn't really think about that much before. That this is not an innocent. Oh, we're naked. We've got to cover ourselves. Like they they know that they've rebelled against God, and instead of of looking to Him in repentance. They continue down that road of rebellion by hiding right. and trying to trying to mask it um, through fig leaves. Not not really the first choice of clothing, right? But yeah, that so they're, they're continu- yeah, they're they're continuing in their rebellion against God. Yeah, and that's what everyone does today. Mm-hmm. The fig leaves become a metaphor for a workspace means of salvation. Yeah. And this is what we mean in part by by um you know the reformed doctrine of total depravity. Right. Is that our it, total depravity doesn't say that people don't feel that guilt. Right. Or even that they don't recognize that they're sinning. It means that apart from God's grace in their lives, they're just going to continue in down that road of rebellion. Right. Yeah. Like you're you're trying to hide your sin is just as rebellious as whatever sin you're trying to hide. Mm-hmm. You you trying to to cover it up in your own strength, your own your own works righteousness is another form of your rebellion and your depravity against God. Right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, so we we need something outside of ourselves to to bring us back to God because on our own Adam and Eve they would they'd still be in those trees hiding if God hadn't come looking for them. Exactly. <laughs> they'd still be there and and so would we we would all still be there mm-hmm. hiding and trying to cover up our own yeah guilt and shame unless god in his grace comes looking for us and says where are you and that's the story of the bible really mm-hmm. in a nutshell you've got man hiding from god rebelling from god uh creating systems of religion to cover their shame but you have god pursuing man consistently like relentlessly pursuing these people who all they ever do to him is turn their back on him and sin against them. And he continues to pursue. Um, it's all the way through Israel, Israel's disobedience, he continues to pursue. Uh, he's the faithful one. Mm. We're always the unfaithful. Yeah. And not going to give away the rest of the story where we're going, because <laughs> we'll get there later. But this comes to a point, yeah. right? Uh, so the second point you had was the universal verdict of guilt. How is the guilt universal? Because we just said this is uh, that we're guilty. Like we can get that, we can understand that. But what do you mean by the universal nature of this guilt? Yeah, so it affects everything, everyone, uh, all creation. Uh, so obviously, Adam and Eve uh, there were were judged, um, but you also see 
uh, here in, um, get back to it, the cursed is the ground because mm-hmm. of you. Well, what did the ground do wrong? <laughs> right. You know, and maybe skipping ahead a little bit, but there was something that had to lose its skin, provide clothes for Adam and Eve. What what did it do wrong? Um, their, their guilt, they, they were given dominion over the earth. Mm-hmm. And just as... A lot of people today say, "Well, that was Adam and Eve's sin, not mine." Um, the same way they were, they were the figurehead. God had given them dominion over the whole earth, so their their sin affects everything. Yeah, yeah, that's it. It's all tied together. You gave a little illustration from a pastor that you'd heard. I did in Kansas. I thought that was pretty good. I did. <laughs> um, there, there was a he was an associate pastor okay. right. uh, in the Kansas City metro and. Um, I was interested in hearing what he believed, what, what his style was, um, where his theological base was. And, um, yeah, I didn't have a whole lot of time. Because so you used to know this guy back in a former life. I had heard of this guy. I, I'd passed him in the halls of a church. Um, he was an Army guy, and uh, you know he had that macho Army <laughs> look and strut, and I was like, yeah, this guy's not going to talk to me. I'm not cool enough. I'm, I literally worked on the wrong side of the tracks, George. Um, so... You know, he's a pastor now, and that, I'm, I'm going to say, kind of surprised me. You know, I thought he was still in the Army, because he was Mr. Army Dude. Uh, so, um, I was like, you know, I, I don't have a lot of time to listen to extra sermons, but I'm going to pick one from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. And uh, the one I, I picked, you know, he was talking about uh, climate change, man-made climate change. And, you know, gas-guzzling trucks, aerosol cans, you know, all this stuff. And he said, you know, I... No, it's not popular to talk about man-made climate change in the church. But here it is in Scripture and pointed right to this verse. And this was before Jay had his doctorate yeah. uh, when he was preaching on this. Um, he said, you know, because of you, the ground is cursed. And, right. and that, that always stuck with that me. That had to be yeah. one of my, for sure, t- first five sermons, I would say. <laughs> I will listen to. Yeah. I'll say when I pulled up the archives, it was near the top of the list. Yep, yep. That was back in the day, man. Wow, and uh, you know, you not the you're the associate pastor. Pastor goes on vacation. That's when you get to preach, and yeah, that was one of the first ones probably ever did. Yep, yep. So it was good. You probably don't want to go back and listen to it now. (laughs) (laughs) You might not think it was so good, but yeah, man-made climate change. There it is. Mm. Cursed is the ground because of you. Yeah, the the um, the. The curse of sin it touches every area of our lives. There's there's no there's no area that has been left untouched yeah. right by it. And we we talked a little bit about this um, last week. I think yeah. the the noetic effect of the fall is that it touches everything. Right. Um, it touches how we think, how we feel, how we process information. Like you can, we can look at the same thing. But because of sin, we're going to um, we're going to analyze it incorrectly. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you see this with um, you know Darwinian scientists. Uh, we can go outside and look at the sky, and they can go outside and look at the sky, and we we interpret things differently because the 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 fall affects us. Mm. It affects how we process information. Um, our bodies, obviously. Uh, the environment, everything is affected by the the curse. Mm-hmm. Which there's good news though, as we continue through, mm-hmm. there will be good news 
for this um, sin-tainted universe. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, yep. So it's universal. That's clearly there in the text. It's plain. Um, so you have the misery of autonomy, the universal verdict of guilt, and then three, you have the scandalous sacrifice. Where does it just, this come from? Comes out of, where does it come from, though? Like, it just comes out of nowhere, it seems. Yeah, so, you know, God has just told Adam and Eve, you do this act, you eat this tree, you break my law, you're dead. So they break the law, he finds them, pronounces the curse, and then all of a sudden, um, Adam names his wife, and then the Lord made for Adam and Eve garments of skin. So something had to happen there. That's one of those verses that gets uh, kind of lost, lost in the sauce a little bit. Yeah, I think that maybe what a lot of people have been taught to do is just read the Bible, and this, uh, this is just detail to the story. You know, it's of course you're, they can't go around walking in fig leaves forever because those fig leaves are going to dry up and crumble, and you're going to have to find. More leaves. So, so, yeah, some some new form. So of course God God gave them a new form of, of clothing. And we forget that this is this is not just um Moses throwing in a little bit of, of detail just for the sake of you know uh, painting right. a picture for us. Hey, what he's he's doing is he's he's teaching us theology. And so there's there's some theological implications to verse twenty one that that maybe people overlook sometimes. God didn't run down to Macy's. He did not. <laughs> no. When when he, he clothes them in skin, something has to happen. Right. right? Uh, what what has to happen? Well, something's got to give up its skin. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> so Yeah. Jay, you said you like the the opening there. Yeah, yeah. You lured us in and then you just dropped on us some like mangled death. Yes. <laughs> when you're kind of like, whoa. What just happened? Yeah, so something had to die. Yeah. And um, here Adam and Eve had been walking in the garden. They had a job. Their job was to take care of the creation, the Garden of Eden. And -hmm. they were doing that. So they were in and amongst the plants, in and amongst the animals. Um, One commentary I read, um, I won't try and misquote it. I won't tell you who it was because I'll I'll pick the wrong person. (laughs) Um, But said, you know, Eve probably had some familiarity with the serpent. Like, this wasn't their first encounter. There's a lot of questions about that. But if nothing else, they had a job of caring for the animals and walking around, so they knew... The animals that were around. Yeah, they knew it. Yeah, yeah, that's... um, Again, that's something that I hadn't really thought of. We're talking about uh, the beginning. Mm -hmm. We don't know how many years... Mm -hmm. We don't know when this happens. We don't know how many animals there are, but there's probably not... As many right. as as now, and the animals weren't afraid of Adam and Eve. They wouldn't no. have just run away. Like they're walking amongst the animals. The and animals probably came up to them, and and they and, and it it appears they're even in a, in a smaller location mm-hmm. within the earth in yeah. this garden area. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. These are garden animals. Yeah. So with their fuzzy wuzzy bear or whatever it was, <laughs> I don't know what it was. I just picked that one. God has to take this. Mm. And first, kill it. Right. And and this is me speculating, uh, but I think it's safe that, to do it in front of them. Mm. That they needed to see the sacrifice, and then 
take this and rip its flesh off, showing them how to make animal skins and how to make clothes for themselves. Uh, But to say it was traumatic would be an understatement. (laughs) Uh, They had never seen death. They heard of death, and they're thinking, okay, what is this? To my knowledge, nothing had died to that point. I think that's safe. And here they are watching a sacrifice. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't think they would miss the uh, implication, right? Right. This, this is death. And this is what you deserve. And it's not natural death, no. right? <laughs> it's no, not. not it's not falling asleep peacefully. <laughs> no, this this wasn't like the Hallmark Channel. Yeah, Grandpa just shut his eyes. This is uh, again. This sin is not um, this this general act. It's a specific rebellion against a personal God. It, this is a personal act. And I, I think the uh, the message is clear. God is going to kill you. Yes. And we deserve it. Mm. We deserve for God to kill us because we rebelled against the king. Yeah. Yeah, th- I mean, this this gives us the seriousness of sin. Yeah. You know, one of the things that uh, maybe an atheist or agnostic will come at you like, they'll be like, oh, your God, your God kills kids. I'm like, oh, yeah, is that all you think he kills? <laughs> How many people right. do you know that have ever lived forever? Yeah. Nobody gets out of here alive. Yeah. That's that's a constant reminder. Like, every life ends in death. Mm-hmm. This, yeah. this body will die, and that's because God, um, he allows us to die. Older churches. <laughs> or in some... Some cases takes a more uh, direct approach in mm-hmm. that involvement of that death. Yeah, you know, old, older churches used to have the cemetery right beside the church. Right, uh, that's not done near as much. Mm-hmm. Um, one popularity, two uh, population and zoning, uh, but that was always a reminder. When we've you got went into we've church. got pretty a land. We got a lot of land out here. We, we, we can talk. To we want to look into that. <laughs> we <laughs> can <laughs> talk to the city. But, uh, <laughs> you know, we got that. Li- we got that little courtyard out there. Mm-hmm. Right yeah. where, right, right by the main entrance. <laughs> that would be old school, man. Just right start, by the front. Yeah, just start burying yeah. people out there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, always a reminder when people walked in that <laughs> right. this is their eternity. Right. Yeah, that's. Yeah. yeah, the wages of sin is death. God yeah. isn't playing when He says that. Like He means it, and right. and we ought to be like we have these ways to talk about it where we escape the reality of it. Mm-hmm. They like, passed on. Yeah, they passed away. Just laid to rest. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but the reality is, they died. Yeah, uh, but there's some theological implications behind what's going on here. Like he's not just showing them that something has to die. I uh, when they that animal didn't sin. Nope, it was them. There, there was a substitute for them. Yeah, yeah. and you know, I brought out Leviticus. Mm. Uh, we have the benefit of hindsight, right? And you know, in Leviticus, we're told, you know. Life for life, blood, death. Mm-hmm. You know, life is in the blood, and it is the blood that atones for sin. So it's, it's serious, right? Uh, but again, they Adam's the one that should have been getting skinned, yeah. Right? <laughs> the the animals they hadn't done anything. Nope. But instead of Adam and Eve, it's something else dies. Yeah. God God begins to teach us the doctrine of substitution. Mm-hmm. Right, right at the beginning, right. you know it, it. So it's very odd to me these liberal scholars who deny substitutionary atonement right. when it's in chapter three of the Bi- yeah, that's right <laughs> of the Bible. It's like God's trying to teach you this lesson yeah. to set up 
like a big reveal. Yeah. <laughs> right? And I like how you brought out chapter four. You've got Cain and Abel, and the story begins with them bringing sacrifices. Right. And Cain brings, um, you know, crops. Mm-hmm. Uh, Abel brings animal sacrifices. Right. And it, you you ask the right question. Where where did this come from? Yeah. I think we just kind of skip over that. It's one of those stories that we're so, you know, we're so accustomed to, and and we're more interested in Cain killing Abel right. than the beginning of the story where they're bringing sacrifices in the first place. Why did Abel know that this was the kind of sacrifice that had to be brought? Yes. I, I think it's because God taught his parents <laughs> up here in, yeah. in chapter three. And so Abel knows this is the kind of sacrifice that that I have to bring. I, right. I have to bring uh, a substitute uh, a substitute for myself. Yeah. There's knowledge that we aren't told explicitly, that, but does seem to be in the Old Testament. Yeah. Melchizedek is some type of priest, mm-hmm. king. Uh, even um, Job is a priest. Right. And the sacrifices they're offering are in accord with what God requires. Right. And we're not told explicitly, but it does seem to be implied. Yeah. Right. That God is the one who showed people, like, this is what is appropriate and this is what is acceptable. Yeah. Um, that This is not man-made religion. This is revealed, mm-hmm. a revealed religion. So these practices, they didn't just, this isn't able just drumming up something. Oh, what if I kill this thing and bring it to God? <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, God has actually showed him what is required in in what is happening here in verse twenty one, mm. and um, I, I think what's missed is that the the saints of the Old Testament they're paying attention. Yeah, <laughs> like yeah. they're they're listening to what God is saying and they're believing it, and then they're acting upon it. Right. They're they're not ignorant of these things. They're you know there's. A handful of people in the earth. <laughs> They're paying attention to what's going on. So the listener may be. Let's let's bring them up to speed. Like we don't have a lot of time, but just bring bring me up to speed, um, Parker and George. How can an animal atone for a human sin? Okay, does an animal atone for a human sin, or is there something backing this that makes it uh, to where? By faith, the sacrifice counts. Like, how does this work? Yeah, that, that's why I went to Hebrews ten, mm-hmm. and just to paraphrase the first few verses of it, it doesn't. Uh, an animal, the sort of bull and goats, their blood, it it doesn't cover the sin. If it did, you do it once and you're good. Yeah, uh, I, I always tell people um, there's a reason why bulls and and goats. The death of them will not be an ultimate sacrifice for you, it's because you're not a bull or a goat. Like the 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 wages of sin is death, and it's your death. It's a human death. It's not it's not just the death of something random. It's you you are the one who deserves to die. A human has to die to atone for your sin. Right. Uh, but those animal sacrifices they are instituted by God. Mm-hmm. Yes, and and like. Um like Hebrews said, it's to continually remind and to point us to what needs to be done, to point us back to our need, to point us back to our, our state of sin, mm-hmm. and to look forward to something to come. Yeah. And I think that the saints in the Old Testament, they're they're getting this. Like, they're not trusting in the animal sacrifices themselves. That's why um, David can say in, in several of the Psalms, it's not, it's not in burnt offerings that you are requiring. 
even though that's that's what the law requires that's not the ultimate mm. means of redemption it's they're they're looking to the messiah yeah right? the messiah is going to have to come and he's going to have to atone for our sin it, it's him right. and these animal sacrifices they're just giving a picture of what the messiah is going to do it's these sacrifices don't all, they're they're not they're not operating ex operato oh you're right? throwing Ooh, out the latin we once we start getting the latin we're <laughs> right that's like the uh, the catholic church teaches that right their sacraments yeah funk, like it's just by means of the act itself yeah they're the the animal sacrifices they're not an end in themselves they it is the by the person's faith mm -hmm, right and what god has said about these um and their uh their faith in that these are a type of the fulfillment to come yeah. And so they're believing what God has said. Yeah, and the scripture picks that up with Abel. Mm -hmm. It's not just the fact that Abel brings an animal sacrifice. Um, the author of Hebrews says he offered it in faith. Mm -hmm. That's why he offered a, an acceptable sacrifice, is he brought it in faith. He's not just bringing an animal sacrifice. Right. He's bringing it because he believes this is what God requires. Yeah. That's very good. So it points us to this ultimate sacrifice to come, and that brings us to your last point, right? The glorious hope. So where do you see hope in this? I, I've read this passage, you know, my whole life, and, you know, I, I don't question the writers of the Bible, but I, I look at, like, verse 20, and I've always scratched my head. <laughs> God just brought down judgment on everything. Right. Like, this... Uh, they're they're blown away, and all of a sudden, Adam gives his wife a name, Eve, right. and calls her the the mother of living. Like, hello, McFly, uh, <laughs> you just got told like death. It's here. Yeah, it's well, it's again, it's one of those verses that Why people just here? think it's thrown in there for you know a little extra flavor to the story. Right. Instead, there's a the, there's there's theological meaning behind this. I think today most people that have been through school are looking at it's like, oh, I, I guess Moses didn't make his word count here. <laughs> right. You know, throwing another sentence there. Yeah. Uh, but no, that's not it at all. And um, had to give the little bit of jab to us husbands in the rooms, like you know, Adam was paying attention. <laughs> right. Um, I, I kind of joked. With you know, like I don't, I don't think he said, "Ooh, what else did I mess up here?" I was supposed to name everything. I forgot to give her a name. Let me give that just in case he's about to bring down more. Yeah, um, you know, not the case. He he heard mm -hmm. this promise of the seed and offspring. Yeah, and he knew that offspring could only come from her. Yeah. Uh, so it's like something's something's going to happen. There's there's a hope here. Adam didn't exactly know what that was going to look like, but he knew there was someone coming that was going to provide hope yeah. and be that seed. Yeah. So God makes a promise that through this woman, um, there'll be this great blessing that's going to overturn uh, this work that the serpent has, this evil work that he's done. The attack is on, not just on God's image bearer, but it's on all that the image bears to rule over. And it's literally as if he's trying to undo God's reality. And the promise is that God will bring about through the woman one who will re literally uh, remake and undo the work of the serpent. He'll crush his head. And that's the hope, right? That was, we talk about the universality of this guilt. As the Bible unfolds, we see that this glorious hope that is revealed here in this seed form 
Yeah. I, I need you. drum roll. I got gotcha. you. I need drum roll. <laughs> a little um, rim shot there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is the, there's a universality of the of redemption that's coming, right. and I I like how you focused in on that. It's a per, it's perfect for us to think about it during Christmas time, mm. right? This is the perfect time to think about this. There's a baby coming. Mm. Uh, you read several passages in the Old Testament, like who is this person? It's mysterious, and then you're like, oh, it's a baby. This is a baby. Oh wait, you called this baby God? Like what's going on? And then <laughs> you know we come to the New Testament, and it becomes clear. We're like, oh, we see it, um, but we forget all that's tied up in Christmas so easily. We talked about it the past several yeah. uh, podcasts. We just so easily just this is our this is this is who we are, right? We're Christians. Ah, it's Christmas. Yeah. We just forget. Like this is this is yeah. promised way back at the very beginning. People waited a long time, and this baby's finally here. And this sets up the the pattern of redemption. Um, it, this really sets up the theme that carries us all the way through the uh, the Old Testament. The this idea that someone is coming. Mm-hmm. Like the the saints in the Old Testament, they're not uh, they're not trying to earn God's favor through works. Mm-hmm. I, I think there's often this dichotomy in the Old and the New Testament. Oh, the Old Testament's all about the law. The New Testament's all about grace. Uh, they're, they're trying to just keep the law. That's how they're, that's how they're saved in the Old Testament. Uh, Jesus comes in the New Testament. They're saved by faith in Jesus. Uh, the saints in the, the entire Bible are only saved one way, mm-hmm. by faith in the, in the Messiah. Mm-hmm. And they, they have the promise. He's right here in Genesis chapter 3. And so all the saints are looking forward to this Messiah coming. And so every time you, you brought it up, you were walking through the different mm-hmm. different, you know, candidates. Oh, could it could it be Abel? <laughs> could it be Cain? Nope. <laughs> it's not it's not them. You know, could it be Moses? No. Uh you've got the judges, you got Samson, no. They're but they're all they're putting the pieces together and mm-hmm. you're you're getting little glimpses of the one who's going to come until finally uh in in the New Testament he comes onto the to the scene at like Philip said last week that would have been a good sermon to follow yours <laughs> <laughs> as was originally uh, yeah, planned. at the at the fullness of time at yeah. the fullness of time God God sent forth his son born of a woman yeah that's that's the fulfillment of Genesis 3:15 Genesis 3:20 here he is Mm-hmm. And he also is the fulfillment of verse 21. He is the sacrifice that um, he dies in our place and his righteousness clothes our unrighteousness. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's good. Yeah. Well, thanks for preaching. It was good. Uh, appreciate all the time and effort you put into it. I know the church does as well. Um, it's a lot of work. So we say thanks for that. Yeah. So, it was a pleasure. Yeah. George, could you uh, take us home? Yeah. Yeah. I guess so. All right, take us home, man. Okay, all right. Well, thank you for listening. Uh, Thanks for watching. And uh, if this has been beneficial, please like and share. This is our last uh, our last broadcast for the. This is the only broadcast for the week. We're not going to be here. We're taking off for Christmas. Well, we're going to be releasing. We'll be having a special special, special on the incarnation. Yeah. yeah. When's that coming out, Jay? Uh, 
probably uh, Wednesday. Okay. So I be, might, yeah, probably be, Wednesday. Be watching for that one. Give it'll you be, a little extra time good. to prepare for Christmas. Right. <laughs> Make sure you're not a heretic. Yeah, that's right. It's on incarnational heresies. Yeah. But uh, from us here at uh, Conform to Christ podcast to you, have a very Merry Christmas, and we hope to uh, help you as the year comes to an end and we come to a, a new year to help you become more and more conformed to Christ.